And so let us turn to that birthday scripture. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they, the disciples, were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Now this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Now, God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and redeemer. Amen. It is one of the most exhilarating scenes in Scripture. And so imagine again with me, the wine bottles have tumbled to the ground, the half-eaten dinner is forgotten, and they sit suspended in fear, frozen at the sight before them. No one moves. No one blinks. The shutters on the windows are closed, but it sounds like a hurricane is moving through the room. The thunderous sound pounds their ears, and what looks like fire swirls above their heads. And no one is immune, women and men alike have caught fire, but they don't burn. The flames don't hurt them, 
Instead, it's this brilliant energy that penetrates them right through their bodies, their bones, and into their hearts. Their eyes glow with the reflection, a bit with fear, of course wonder, and yet still they remain motionless. And as quickly as it started, it stopped. What do you say after a moment like that? And so stunned, I imagine they sit there for what is, for that which they have been waiting for. This is what Jesus told them to wait for. It's been 10 days since he left, ascended to his father in heaven, 10 days since they've returned to the city and waited. And God has acted as Jesus promised. They didn't know what to expect, but they did as they were told. And so James and John bring the fish as they always did. Bread has been baked. They gather together at the table for dinner, unbeknownst to them that this meal would soon be forgotten. And as the wine is passed around for the second time, it's then that the spirit makes her dramatic entrance. And when their mouths finally remember how to work, it's as if their tongues have been commandeered by something new and foreign, yet natural as well. From their lips emerge sounds and words that no Galilean should know, words that only travelers and foreigners bring from afar. But their house cannot contain the miracle they have received and the Spirit pushes them outside, for this is not a gift to be kept to themselves. It is a gift that forces them outside of themselves, empowers them to step boldly into the world. And so they tumble into the streets, making such a ruckus, praising God in different languages that soon the street becomes crowded with those demanding answers. How can these disciples know all these foreign languages suddenly? And so drunk, some proclaim, that's the only rational answer. The implications are too much for some. You see, God, God is the Jews' God and only found in the temple. But Peter replies, we aren't drunk, we are far from it. But we are full of God's life, full of God's energy, God's spirit, and we want all of you to know it. And the spirit opens his mouth. This bumbling disciple, this Peter, who never quite got it, who denied Jesus and fled when he was arrested, and yet, the ashes of his former self are forgotten as the flame of the Spirit ignites new life into Peter. He forgets his shame, he forgets his guilt, and confidently he steps forward and proclaims, God is here now, and it is for all people, men and women, young and old, slave and free, no one is excluded. God is doing a radical new thing, and you're invited no matter 
who you are. And so I reflect on Peter a lot. I see myself in him often. We are each of us broken, foolish, and yet for some reason we are gifted with God's Spirit nonetheless. And God's Spirit is not simply a warm breeze suggesting we do this or that. On this day, it was blazing, it was moving, and it was leading them to break open something new. And it leads us to break beyond our own limits and expectations. It binds us to God, but it also binds us to one another and to people we would never even imagine. Author and theologian Barbara Brown Taylor writes that before the day of Pentecost was over, the church had grown from 120 to more than 3,000. Shy people had become bold, scared people had become gutsy, and lost people had found a sure sense of direction. Disciples who had not believed themselves capable of tying their own sandals without Jesus discovered abilities within themselves they never knew they had. That's certainly how I feel at times, even incapable of tying my shoes. And I know I'm not alone in that feeling. It is so easy to get lost in the chaos of this world the war in Ukraine, this pandemic, war mass shootings, racial injustice, polarization, and increasing mental illness. And yet something in me, and I know something in you, pushes us each day, enlivens me to hope, to love, to take risks and chances when I know that alone I could not do it by myself. And I'm not supposed to, and neither are you. We are not supposed to do life alone, but as partners bound together with God's Spirit leading us. And so the same Spirit that resurrected Christ all those thousands of years ago, that Spirit is still moving in us today giving us that same creative and life-giving energy that transforms death and ashes into joy and new life. And so she is called many things, the Holy Spirit. She's called the paraclete, the advocate, the holy comforter, so many more. But it can't really be fully captured in our tongue or perhaps any tongue because the Holy Spirit does not abide by our human definitions or limitations. She moves and breathes and dances as the wind moves without interference or boundary, but always in step with God because she is a part of that holy economy of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, is not separate from God, but moves and lives and community of God, Christ, and Spirit. And because God lends us God's Spirit, we are invited into that Spirit dance, allowed to participate in the wondrous work of seeing God's kingdom break into our world. For the Spirit alights in each of us, no matter who we are, because we are worthy in God's eyes, each of us, we each have gifts 
to contribute to Christ's church. And we do not stand alone with the Spirit, but are a part of that divine puzzle that includes all God's people. But do we recognize that? Do we realize we need each other to complete that divine puzzle? And so, yes, we are invited to become co-creators with God. But this invitation to participate in God's life forces us, as I said earlier, to look outward, to notice, to hear, and to name especially those hard truths and realities that not all of God's people know freedom and justice yet. And so what are we to do in response? And so to participate in God's spirit life is to open our eyes, to step into the brokenness, and to proclaim that the good news of Jesus Christ gives resurrection life. This is hard and this is painful, and we don't always know what we're doing. Sometimes this means breaking out of the safe bubbles that we've created, those secure places where we only gather with people that look like us, that speak like us, that know only English. But it's a reminder, this calling, to allow the Spirit to move us into new places, that our faith is based in a community where all people are welcome, where all people are embraced, even those we have nothing in common with. Because when we open ourselves and we trust that the Spirit is present, we risk creating something that has never been created before. From the ashes out of our fear, something new will grow. Whether it's new relationships, reconciliation, creativity, the possibilities are endless when the Spirit is involved. And so, friends, that's the risk that the disciples took that day. They stepped out of their house. They looked foolish. They even looked drunk. But they said, God is doing something new here. And they left behind everything they knew to take that good news into the world and plant the seeds of the gospel in the ashes of grief, in the ashes of danger, in the ashes of empire and death. And they did this knowing that they probably wouldn't even see the fruits of their work, but they did it anyway. And the church was born. And that is who we continue to be today. It's risky business being the church because, you see, God's spirit is not safe or comfortable. God's spirit always seeks to bring life and sometimes that means leaving our safety behind. And so, yes, we continue the disciples' legacy today, relying on the same spirit to enliven us as it did them, trusting that God's kingdom is breaking in and through us and around us, even when all we think we see are dust and bones, and that new life is impossible. Methodist pastor Jan Richardson writes, Pentecost arrives to remind us that ashes do not, do not have the final word, and that fire does not only come to consume, it also comes to bless, 
to call, to inspire, to give us what we could never begin to imagine on our own. And so we are emerging from what feels like the ash heap of this pandemic, ready to get on with life. But life is not the same as it was before, and nor should we strive for it to be just the same. And so this is perhaps our chance to see how new life can be born where once we only saw darkness and brokenness. And so where is it that we need to train our eyes? Where is it that we need to bring our voices? Where is it that we need the Spirit to lead us boldly? Where is it that the church is being called to? Where are you being called to? Amen.